Welcome to the eighth reading from the book The Holy Ground of Honey Creek, Reflections of a Small Town Pastor, written by Rev. I. Dean Jordan. It is read to you today by John Jordan. Reverend Jordan started his ministry in 1950, and he retired for the first time as a United Methodist minister in 1988, and then he served for four years as a part-time pastor for the United Church of Christ. As he looked back on his ministry during this time, he realized the past 50 years had been like no other in challenging our faith, and he thought someone should write a book about it. Not a grand sweeping review of religious history, but the insights gained serving local congregations as we all struggle to put our faith into practice. And he wrote this book based upon the essays and sermons and liturgy that he had created during his time as a small town pastor. So today we're going to be looking at or reading from a couple of essays. The first is called Homo, Hetero, Full Citizen, written July-August 1993 for the Edgerton United Church of Christ newsletter. The 4th of July soon will be upon us, so let us think together to see if we can agree upon an answer to the question, who is eligible to be a full citizen of this land? This question raises another question in my mind. Is it possible to be a partial citizen, say a half or three-quarters citizen? It was, at one time, you know. Before the Civil War, there was the two-thirds citizenship imposed upon the slaves. And there were other unstated categories between two-thirds and full that were imposed upon women and others who were denied the right to vote. But now the African Americans are as full citizens as anyone although they had to struggle with great fortitude and noble character to achieve the status other full citizens have enjoyed without struggle. And still bedeviling all of us are the prejudices and fears and animosities conjured up out of racism. Women, too, are now full citizens, qualified to vote, to win elections, to be increasingly integrated into the military forces, and to achieve positions of leadership and authority in business and industry, in education and the church. Hispanic Americans and citizens of the various nations of the Orient are also increasingly recognized as important to the mainstream culture as other full citizens of the land. As I look back to the time of my youth, to the then dominant white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, or WASP, American culture with its narrow exclusiveness, I can say truthfully and proudly that there has been an inspiring growth of freedom and inclusiveness in regard to full citizenship in our God-blessed land. There is, however, an area in which we are still struggling with the concept of full citizenship. Let us get at it with the question we've asked before. Are homosexuals eligible for full citizenship in our land? I'm going to frame my answer in the personal terms in which I feel most confident. I believe that a person's sexual orientation is a God-given, not a chosen, element of our human existence. It is, then, morally neutral to be neither condemned nor praised in itself, but only in regard to how it is used in relationships with others. Both homo and heterosexual activity can be a source of blessing or cursing, of helping or destroying another human. Thus, homosexual actions between consenting adults, 
with the same standards of covenant and restraint we expect of heterosexuals should not be a cause for exclusion from Christian ministry, military service, school teaching, or any other socially approved career. I have no reservations or hesitations in affirming this belief. And yet, I admit to another side within myself in regard to homosexuality, highlighted by my reactions during the recent Tony Awards. As winners were announced, many reacted by hugging and kissing on the cheeks the meaningful other sitting beside them. When the two embracing were men, I thought, well, we hug each other in church. When one of the winners hugged and kissed fervently on the lips the woman beside him, I mused, that's okay, probably she's his wife. But what if two men kissed like that? I continued musing with a feeling of repugnance. And a little later, when one of the male winners was expressing his thanks to those who had helped him win this award, he concluded by exclaiming, and I want to thank especially my lover, male name, I involuntarily shuddered and thought, he didn't have to be so obvious about it. It was the involuntary shudder, the immediate negative emotional response that revealed the reservoirs of prejudice within me at war with my recent acceptance of homosexuality. And I realized that it is this negative attitude within the souls of many of us that makes it so easy to win recruits to the viewpoint that homosexuals are not eligible for full citizenship. So, again, we exclude from freedom those we think or feel are unlike ourselves. Which attitude shall win, should win? To the first question I answer, I don't know. My response to the second is, I hope that it will resolve itself in such a way that I will be able to accept and to pray a blessing upon all hetero and homosexual relationships that bring a sense of peace and wholeness to its participants, allows them to live morally and serenely with all others, and enable them to act out and to be acknowledged as full, full citizens in this land of the free and the home of the brave. Amen. 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 The second episode in this reading is entitled, God Invites You to Life, written September 24th, 1986, the East Troy News. Several times over the last few years, a national magazine has written me saying that they'd like to award me a million dollars if I just return the certificates with my name on them. It cost me a 22 cent stamp each time, but I did it. I returned the cards. This has been going on now for several years, and so far I haven't received the millions. Promises, promises, empty promises. They tell me, of course, that it's all based on chance. They don't have anything against me personally, but there are those 13 million plus a few hundred thousand other people who have also been let in on this opportunity. They even have my own name typed in and everything. Big black letters. I... Dean Jordan. But I'm beginning to think there isn't any person there at all. 
Probably it's some sort of gray plastic and metal box that keeps mindlessly typing out my name and all those millions of others offering us, oh, such delightful TVs and cars and dollars, 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 promises, promises. I wonder how God keeps track of us. Does God have a gray plastic and metal box? I haven't exchanged any letters with God. The U.S. Postal Service doesn't deliver there, but frequently there is a conversation going on between God and me. I do most of the talking, and I often wonder how God can keep my thoughts and words from getting all mixed up with the billions of others coming into Heaven's switchboard every minute. And the promises. I think that while the National Magazine's promises are lavish, the promises of God are richer. Love, forgiveness, guidance, peace, eternal life. And they are offered not on a basis of one in 13 million chances, but to everyone who answers. Funny thing, I've never heard the voice of God, nor received a fat envelope from heaven with my name typed in big black letters. But when I look back over the years of my life, I can see how God has been hearing my prayers in the midst of those millions and millions of others, and answering them, too, in quiet, unobtrusive ways that have made my life different and much better than if I had lived it all alone. I invite you to respond with a yes to God's invitation to the life abundant. I'm told the deadline is your last breath. If you answer sooner, you get the bonus of all these years of extra beauty while you are still alive on earth. Answer today. Amen. 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 This concludes the readings for this episode of The Holy Ground of Honey Creek, Reflections of a Small Town Pastor, written by Reverend I. Dean Jordan. As I mentioned in earlier podcasts, even though these essays were written more than 30 years ago, they are still issues that we are struggling with and still talking about and still needing to solve, even today. In the next podcast, we'll be doing the sermon, Simon, the Wizard of Acts, first written May 22, 1977, for the United Methodist Churches of Orville and Evansville, Wisconsin. The purpose of the sermon is that greater than wonder-working power is the gift of love which makes us fully human. And we're using as our text Acts 8, verses 9 through 24. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm John Jordan.